Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans. Welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee. She is Tam. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, Tam. How are you? How was your weekend? Everything is great. Ah, great. As in the t-shirt, great? Everything is great. Perfect. Exactly. Well, you sound like Kyle Busch. (laughs) Everything is great. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yes, I am referring to Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch pulled a Marshawn Lynch and said repeatedly when the media asked him what happened in the hauler after his big meeting with NASCAR and Joey Logano to talk about the rumble at the track in Las Vegas last week. All Mm -hmm. he had to say was everything is great. Renee is referring to the t-shirt that Kyle Busch is actually selling that says everything is great. And he's selling it for $22. And if you don't know, 22 is Joey Logano's number. That's right. It seems like somehow they just have to have a connection this year for some reason. I don't know. But well, uh, <laughs> before we even get into the connection that changed the fate of Kyle Busch's race in Phoenix this past Sunday, how was your weekend, Renee? Actually, my weekend was fantastic. Other than the fact that I lost my wallet for about a good 24 hours, I was a nervous wreck. I feel like I was the one who actually prompted you to look for your wallet. Just a little backstory. I called Renee and I said, hey, I need your driver's license number so we can make sure that we have our hot passes for the Sunday race. And Renee was like, I'm looking for my wallet. And I was like, okay. And then it turned into, wait, I cannot find my wallet. And it went on all day. But luckily, Renee found his wallet. And as always, Renee was partying this week. And that's why he couldn't find his wallet. (laughs) (laughs) And I know, you know, Tam, the funny thing is, is I know it seems like I party a lot, which I probably do. I just enjoy life. But you alluded to this earlier. But when I'm not working a regular job that I work, I'm on stage making people laugh. And when I'm not on stage making people laugh, I'm going out listening to one of my favorite EDM DJs. And when I'm not doing that, I'm hanging out with like some little female friends of mine. And when I'm not doing that, it's like, I'm all about You're NASCAR your talk. Wallet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, I, and then I, I found a way to just lose my wallet somehow. You would think out of how busy my life is that I wouldn't lose my wallet more, but you'd be surprised. I, I That's one thing I kind of keep my hands on to make sure I don't lose it. Well, make sure you keep your hands on your wallet, but don't exactly. hang on too tight if you want to have a girlfriend. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> okay, well, enough about that because we can talk about that topic forever. Yes, we could. We're going to jump into some NASCAR talk. I will leave you with this one word, and I'm going to let Renee take it from here. Newman. Newman. Wowza. Let's see. First of all, Tam, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I want to congratulate Ryan Newman for winning in Phoenix and It had been so long that he couldn't even remember how many races it had been since his last race that he had won, which was actually at the Brickyard back in 2013. That's how bad of a drought this guy was on. But if anybody deserved to win this race, it was Ryan Newman. I mean, you know, he seemed like he just put himself in a position that if there was a caution, which there was a caution right at the end of that race, and he rolled the dice and stayed out on the track and on some old tires, he pulled it out. 
I want to congratulate the guy. You know, he needed this race and he has punched his ticket into the playoff. And, you know, now he can kind of go from there and hopefully he can kind of build on this and, uh, you know, have have some kind of even more success going down the rest of the year throughout these other uh, races that are coming up. Well, it's crazy. You've mentioned his last race was exactly almost four years ago. It was at the Brickyard in Indianapolis. And guess who was at that race? And guess who was in the winner's circle when he won? It actually made me think, and I believe I tweeted on my personal Twitter that I was there because I remember him winning. I was there taking so many photos. I actually have so many photos from that race because I remember the race was over and I was still at the track an hour after the fact, which was pretty crazy. You know, this was just the most excellent win for Newman as well as for Richard Childress Racing because they were on somewhat of a drought as well. So it's just great to see him back in the winner's circle. That's my guy. I like Ryan. You know, most people don't respect Ryan, I think, the way they should. And a lot of it is because, you know, Ryan is low key. Like I've been around NASCAR for a good amount of time now. And, you know, I see him on the track sometimes just walking. Like I remember Mm -hmm. being in Michigan. Mm-hmm. at the track last year or was that year before last and it was the craziest rain delay ever and ryan was just chilling out with the pit guys and i was like dang there's ryan you couldn't find another driver on that track but ryan was just out there like hey i like ryan i'm happy for him we started the show talking about kyle bush and joy logano but i want to talk about how Faith intervened and everybody thought Kyle Busch was about to win. And next thing you know, Joy intervened. Uh, <laughs> like Joy was like, not today. Yeah, you know, Tim, Kyle Busch had it in the bag. And the whole time that this is going on and as it's getting closer and closer to the end of the race, I'm sitting there going, finally, my pick is going to come true. And I knew I felt good about Kyle Busch winning this race and it was going to happen. And as soon as Joey Logano hits that wall and the caution comes out, I saw Samantha Bush's reaction and I and I even saw Kyle's crew chief just put his hands in his face too. All I could do, Tam, was just laugh. Like I just started laughing because I'm like, I don't know for what reason that the moon and the stars and the atmosphere are just rotating and lining up the right way that these guys, for some reason, for the last two races... <laughs> Just have some kind of connection in some sort of way. And I just started laughing. Who wasn't laughing was Kyle Busch. And I bet you he wasn't saying everything is great at that moment because (laughs) it wasn't great. It was just crazy. I mean, here's the thing. I was already on an emotional roller coaster because I was like, yes, Chase Elliott, who was my pick to win. He won the second stage. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was so excited. And then, I don't know, we talked about this last week. There's just something going on with the young fella with the restarts. Yeah. Like, he needs to just work on that because it's becoming an issue, a big issue. Yeah, it is. And um, I don't know for what other reason than, like I've always said before, that it seems to be some sort of mental thing that I think you just have to get over. And it's just one of those things that I really believe he's going to do it, Tam. I really do. He's like almost there. And uh, it's just like you can't imagine this kid not 
winning a race because it's going to happen. But I guarantee you this, once it happens, Tam, I can see this guy rattling off just a slew of race of winning so many races. It's not even funny. Well, it better happen. And speaking of young guys and almost there, Kyle Larson, like this guy, I mean, we can go on and on with Kyle Larson, but at this moment, I just need to take a deep breath. I don't even want to talk about Kyle Larson because I'm getting angry. So let's go on to Stenthouse and then we'll talk about Larson. Okay. So how about your boy, Ricky Stenthouse? I tell you something, you know, Stenthouse coming in fourth was just absolutely amazing and incredible and fantastic. I think this is a great thing for Stenhouse. He's still a young guy and uh, he still has a lot of things that he can build on by coming in fourth place in this race. He needed this, that team needed this. And I think, and I hope that this race will help him. It'll help him catapult himself into another level of making this a regular thing that we start to see Stenhouse in the top 10, you know what I mean? Rather than back in the 20s and 30s where we kind of normally see him. I see good things coming in in the future for this kid. Okay, well, I don't think he's a kid. He's not young like the rest of them. Right. But, you know, when we say kids. Well, but I they, have two when predictions. When I say kid, that's because I'm a lot older than probably some of these other guys. So. <laughs> well, hey, that's you, not me. Yeah, okay, <laughs> right. Okay, so I have two predictions. One is it was a fluke. I don't think we're going to see Stenhouse in the top 10 anytime soon. I may eat my words, but hey, you know what? I don't think so. Second thing is, I feel like Danica, yes, I'm going to go there. And to one of our faithful listeners, Marcus, because I know he's going to listen to the show and he loves to tease us about Danica Patrick. I feel like Danica is going to maybe have a top 10 because she has to show the boo, Ricky Stenhouse, who wears the pants. <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't very nice of me to say, but I just have a feeling that Danica is going to show us something because I'm sure that's a competitive household. I can oh, imagine her not being fired up now that, you know, the boot thing, as we would say, got a top 10 finish. I don't know, Renee, what do you think? Well, you know what? As far as Danica is concerned, and, and uh, like we've always said, it's not we're not Danica haters. We're just not Danica fans and it's nothing, you know, an insult to her, but you're right. I think that it's got to be a competitive household. I would love to see Danica try to do something, you know, to kind of look at it and go, well, if Ricky can get it for them, I know I can get it for them. Maybe she can. I don't see it playing out that way, but I hope it does, you know, with at least, you know, Ricky, because this is just one of those things where you like to see a little bit of the uh, norm just kind of break up a little bit. And I like to see some of these guys get in the top 10 every once in a while and just kind of like grow on that. But you know what? You're right. I mean, it's possible that this might have just been a fluke. You know, you never know because the next couple of races and the rest of the year, we might not even hear his name anymore. I think it will be only because you're talking about the top 10. I can rattle off 10 drivers now that are veterans that will always race better than Stenhouse. And now you take in consideration those veterans, whether it's Jimmy Johnson, Brad Kozlowski, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Clint Boyer, for that matter, there are so many veterans that are better racers than Stenthouse. 
and in better equipment. Now you talk about your young guys that are up and coming, whether it be Kyle Larson, who is consistently always running second. And I don't want to talk about it at this moment, but we'll get to it. You know, you got Chase Elliott, you have Ryan Blaney, you have Daniel Suarez. I mean, shoot, you even got Eric Jones. So just off the bat, I've pretty much named about, what was that, 12 to 15 drivers? I believe so. So now you add in Stenhouse. You're telling me Stenhouse is a better driver than all those drivers that I just named? He may um, be a better driver than Eric. Eric's a baby. He's just getting into cup racing. Yeah, that's he true. may be better than Daniel, although, shoot, Daniel, and I guess at this point, let me take this moment to read the top 10. Yeah, please do. So here's your top 10. Ryan Newman first. Kyle Larson, second. Kyle Busch, third. Ricky Stenhouse, fourth. Brad Keselowski, fifth. Harvick, sixth. Daniel Suarez, seventh. Eric Jones, eighth. Jimmy Johnson, ninth. And Denny Hamlin, tenth. Right. Okay. My so, dark horse. Yeah. So look at who I just named, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you got other people that I didn't even name who had bad days, whether it was Joey Logano, Casey Kane, for that matter, Dale Jr. So you telling me Stenhouse is going to run up there every week with the big boys? Uh, I don't know. I think it was a fluke. Very good That's point. That's just my thought. No, very, very good point. That's why I love when you come and you put in your two cents because you back it up with some facts. And I like that, you know, because you put it in perspective in a sense of like reality from just wishful thinking. And that's what I, that's what I love about you, Tam. Yeah, reality. <laughs> because well, I guess I, I'm a, what is it when you're a half cup full, half, half empty, half full? I don't know. I'm don't optimistic know. about life. I'm a pessimist when it comes to people. Right. And I don't know if that's a correct thing to say at this time when we're talking about drivers. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I live in the facts. Hold no, on yeah, that. But you're right. And you know what? And for our listeners out there, you know, I want them to know that when you turn on and you listen to All Turns No Breaks, we are a podcast for fans by fans. You know, we don't sit here and try to uh, give off the impression that we're experts in any kind of way of either driving a car, fixing a car, building a car or anything like that. We are just talking about it from a fan perspective because we want to connect with you guys as fans listening to our podcast so that we can all be on the same page and talk about it as if we were sitting you know just at a regular restaurant or something having a drink and just talking regular nascar indeed so i feel like i'm gonna fan myself because i was hot but i guess we can talk about kyle larson i root for this young guy i remember when i interviewed him i told him he was going to be the rookie of the year which he ended up being like i just adore kyle larson but i'm just so heated because i don't get it like you know there's this saying that a girl who always goes to weddings and is the bridesmaid is like always a bridesmaid never a bride yeah i feel like kyle larson is like always second and never a winner honestly i would killed to be in his position at this point if I was a driver because he's actually leading in points but you're leading in points and you haven't won a race so eventually he may make it to the chase but there are going to be other people winning races like you can't just always come in second at this point I don't even think it's driving skills I think it's mental yeah I don't understand 
Yeah, it's a good point. And I'll tell you something. I've been starting to call him Mr. Second because it seems like he's always coming in second. But it reminds me of the uh, legend of Ricky Bobby and the one saying that Ricky's father always had it. And if you ain't first, you're last. And the reason why I think about that is because when they talk to him and they interview him after the races, he seems like he's kind of content, but still happy about coming in second. Well, and technically he's at the top with points. You know that? Yeah, that's what I just said. Like, I don't feel like he's content. I feel like he's confused. Yeah, well, he, he sounds like he's a little confused as well. Yeah, like, dude, I want to see some Chase Elliott in him. Like, Chase is interesting in the self. First of all, Chase is just such a mature young guy. I, I really love that kid. Chase kind of gives you that like, we have to do better. Right. Whereas Kyle is like, yeah, you know, hey. I don't know. Maybe it's the California thing because, you know, you're from Texas, but you live here. People in California, we tend to be very laid back. So maybe that's why Kyle. And I'm not saying he's nonchalant and I'm not saying that he's upset about not winning. But he's not like kicking the doors down about not winning either. Like I need to see a little bit more anger. And then I need him to take that anger on the track and run some people down and get the win. Yeah. You know, the fact that he let Kozlowski win that race week before last was crazy to me. Yeah. He's right there, Tam. He's like literally right there. Both Larson and Elliot are right there. They can, they're so close. They can taste it. You know what I mean? It's like, like Chase has this issue with restarts late in the races and Larson just has this thing with late racing when he's in position to win as well. Not so much restarts, but just in a position to just to win the race. They both end up coming up short. I think you're right. I think it is a mental thing, but it's like I've always said, Tam, you know, once these guys, they get it together, once they get there, they're going to be just fine. Let me ask you this, Renee. Do you just think it's a young thing and they haven't learned how to win yet? Yes, totally. Okay. And look how quickly I answered that. Yes, I totally think that's what it is. There was an article. I'm not sure if you read it. I think I shared it with you. But there was an article on the Charlotte Observer that pretty much the title of it was Fresh Generation of Drivers Emerging on NASCAR Circuit. And the article was pretty good. You know, obviously it talked about Kyle and Chase, you know, the young drivers. They're definitely, and we haven't said this all year, but we mentioned it a lot last year. There definitely is a change of the guard. I don't even feel like it's still happening. I feel like it happened already. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like, no, you're, there you're was right a changing of the guard. I mean, like literally overnight. I mean, it's evident by the interesting bunch that makes up the top 10 from Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, you have Eric Jones. Jones came in eighth, Daniel Suarez in seventh, Yeah. Kyle Larson in second. It's an interesting bunch. And then you think about Jimmy Johnson is in ninth. Yeah. That's Mr. Seven Time. Like Daniel and Eric came in seventh and eighth before Mr. Seven Time, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. And that's not to say that Jimmy Johnson is in any way, shape or form losing it or oh, lost no, no, it. No, no, no. He's going to show out saying. before the season is over. Believe right. that. He's chasing the great eight greatness mm-hmm. as in the best to ever do it. So, no, he's going to show out. Trust me on that. But it's just interesting. You know, we we are looking at a fresh generation. We're looking at a completely. I was so sad when Tony left last year when he completely retired because Tony, to me, was the last of the old school racers. Yes. Now, obviously, Dell is not that 
old. I mean, you know, he's what, 42, 43, something around there, but he is not that old set of drivers. He has an old soul and he knows the sport and can talk about the old days like the best of the best of them. But Tony, to me, was the last guy of that generation. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, even like you think about Greg Biffle is not racing this year. That's just mind boggling to me. God, that is so weird. That's right that you bring that up. Greg Biff. The Biff. Like, what? The Biff. Like, where is he? Like, he should be on that track every Sunday, you know? <laughs> I mean, we've even had Carl Edwards come to the track, but no, I mean, he may be there and we just don't know about it. I don't know. But I mean, we haven't heard his name all season. Yeah. Well, hopefully and things are fine with him. it's sad because I liked Greg Biffle. Yeah. Yeah, I hope things are fine in Greg Biffle's camp. Uh, I sure would like to see that guy back on the racetrack again. I want to say one thing, speaking of Tony Stewart and the old soul type of driver, you know, the old school. Austin Dillon gets a lot of slack, and I'm sure you're aware of what happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He retaliated on Saturday during the Xfinity race, which I didn't have a problem with it, but we all know that I'm feisty. I don't really care. Right. Hey, do what you got to do. But I say this all the time. There's something about Austin Dillon that puts me in mind of Tony Stewart. Yeah. A lot of that is because Austin really is a hothead. He just has to get better at racing. He gets a lot of slag for his... He can't help it that his granddad is who his granddad is. You know, some people think him and Ty, spoiled brats, got a free ride. I don't really think that. I think people mistake Austin Dillon's passion for racing and that attitude that he has with being spoiled. And I don't think that's that. I feel... Okay, I'm going to just say this. This is... I never... We should never talk about people's personal business but we're fans so i'm gonna say something on air that some of you guys may say oh my gosh she said that you have to look at austin dillon's fiance she's a little bit taller than him any man who has the boss to be with a girl that's taller than him typically has a lot of swagger and has a lot of confidence yes Austin has the attitude, he has swag, and he has confidence. And I can say this, you know, we don't know him personally. We did have an opportunity to talk to him. We interviewed him in Las Vegas. So again, we don't personally know him, but we did talk to him. And my takeaway from that is that Austin is just a confident guy. So all this conversation constantly about him being a spoiled brat, I don't think so. I just think he is confident. Yeah, you know, you know I don't know. Call it the Napoleon complex. I don't know. Well, I'm could, a tall woman. Hey, what can I say? Yeah, I mean, it could be that. But you know what? I think you're kind of like right at like where my line of thinking is. And, and by the way, let me tell you something. I, I know exactly what you mean by when you say, you know, men who can date women who are taller than them. There's just something about a confidence and a cockiness that you have. I have personally dated women who are taller than me. You do carry a confidence thing. I don't think that Austin's attitude is so so much of a spoiled cocky attitude no more than what i really think it is is that he has a swag about himself not as in a cocky swag but as a competitive swag that you're right he's passionate about the sport he is passionate about getting behind that wheel getting in that car and getting on that racetrack he wants to win and that's what i see not so much more of a cockiness so yeah i think you're right I, 
I would tend to agree with you on that one. Well, we can go on and on. That was a more personal note. And typically we do straddle the border of being fans versus being media. So certain things are off limits. And typically that old saying, you don't ever talk about people's wives and their kids. So I don't feel as if my reference to the Whitney is her name well, to his you, girlfriend. It was all in good taste, Tam. I don't think it was anything like, you know, personal okay. in the sense like you were being rude. Yeah, I was anything. just trying to, you, you were know, just making make... an observation. Exactly. So let's move on really quickly because we have a few more things to cover. But for whatever reason, we just talked about Austin and a little bit too much. And I guess I was fired up about Kyle Larson. So that was a little bit of extra conversation as well. So really quick, my man, Clint Boyer. Okay, before you even say anything, I want our listeners to know every week, expect a Clint Boyer update until he wins a race. Because that's my man. Right. Okay. So there was an article in USA Today that pretty much talked about Clint still being hungry. Yes, he's hungry. Why wouldn't he be hungry? He and is finally. He exactly. He is finally on a team that can win in great equipment. So I am looking forward to Clint being hungry and going out there and eating a big bowl of chili. I don't know. I don't know what made me say chili, but yeah. <laughs> well, he looks like a chili kind of eater, so I, I, I'll I go yeah, with that. Yeah, he looks like a chili type of guy. So Clint will win a race. So I said that all quickly, but you get my point. Restrictor plate racing. You know, that's my thing. Yeah. Apparently, we're going to have some restrictor plate racing at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but in the Xfinity race, not yet in the cup race. Okay. I, I don't know. It's this weird thing. Like, obviously, restrictor plate racing slows the cars down a bit. But I don't know. I just, I like, my tracks are Talladega and Daytona. Like, go fast, go fast. Yeah. That's my thought process. So it should be really interesting to see how that all unfolds. Renee, you have any thoughts about that? If you're going to bring it, and like you said, it's only going to be in Xfinity races. I'm okay with that. But, you know, this all just goes back to, it's like almost like I don't, I could, I don't even care anymore because this is NASCAR's thing. They're just going to change things when they want to change it. And it's just part of the natural thing that NASCAR does. So I, they bring something in and I just, my attitude is just, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they need a fan council, a real fan council. They need to talk to us. That's what they need to do. Exactly. Especially me because, you know, I read all the comments and I feel like sometimes NASCAR is a little... They're not in touch always with what the fans want. But, I, you know, I guess nobody cares because it always comes down to business and money. But it would be nice if there was some type of fan council in place where they were really, really taking in consideration some of our thoughts. And, you know, speaking of NASCAR, not really, and I don't want to say not caring, but just doing what they want. Apparently, they're removing some seats from Charlotte. Right. I don't know if that's, I guess the seats are lower level seats that nobody is paying for. But to me, I feel like maybe that's a disguise to hide the fact that maybe they're not selling out. Well, you know, Tim, we talked about this I remember last year and how difficult it was that NASCAR was getting fans to come out and, you know, support the races and, and not so much they were losing a fan base, but they were just losing fans that come out to the races. And it came down to one thing and we both agreed on it. And it was a financiability thing. You know, it's expensive to go out there. And, uh, when you finally get to pay for hotel and tickets and RV parking or whatever it is that you do to come out to these races, I mean, 
you're talking about thousands of dollars, Tim. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't have thousands of dollars to spend every, you know, weekend or every other weekend or any other time that I want to go to a race. I mean, it's just it's just expensive, you know? It really is. And I just want to say, I don't know if financial ability is a word, Renee, but okay, well, I, I get what yeah, you're saying. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the, the finances, there you go. Well, NASCAR goes west. We're west and we couldn't even make it to all the races. How yeah. about that? Because yeah, we exactly. really wanted to go to Phoenix, but when you started to add up all the expenses, it was like, Ugh. and I mean, granted, we could drive from Los Angeles to Phoenix, although I'm not about that driving life. Like, yeah, last week I drove to Vegas. I broke the record. I got there in two hours and 55 minutes, and I was going at least 100 miles an hour the whole time there. But I, the thought of driving to Phoenix for five hours is just like, shoot me now. Like, my thought about life is why drive when you can fly? You yeah, know, but exactly. But but when I started to add everything up, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we didn't go, though, because there, you know, you had your gigs. There was just other stuff going on, but it is expensive. And while we're on the topic of NASCAR goes west, I would like to see more NASCAR goes someplace campaigns. You know, I understand that NASCAR goes west is a very unique situation because you're going from Las Vegas to Phoenix to Fontana here in Los Angeles. Well, it's on the outskirts of Los Angeles, but it would be great if NASCAR went east or NASCAR goes south. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. What do you think? I, I mean, I technically, it does go east and south, but it's not a whole campaign, a marketing campaign built around it. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, if you're going to want to create a new fan base of any sort, why not? Why not go up north? Why not go to some of these places that you normally don't go? You won't know unless you test it out. You know what I mean? So, well, uh, they I'm all go. About that. I'm just saying make a campaign. But I guess maybe, oh, yeah, I exactly. don't know, that's one of those suggestions that as a fan, it may not really sound right, but I'm just saying, so like NASCAR goes west, meaning that you're on the west coast. So maybe NASCAR goes south, meaning you're in Talladega, you know, Virginia, wherever, or NASCAR goes north. You're in, well, I don't know, is Dover considered north? I don't know. So, okay, scratch that I even said that that was one of those things that a fan said that wasn't thought out. In this case, me being a fan and me not really thinking out what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay, so let's move right along. And that's all that is happening in NASCAR. There are some other things happening, but we just kind of wanted to talk about those things. First and foremost, before we go any further, I want you to stop and hit subscribe. We're going to say this every week until you understand. Subscribe on iTunes and leave a comment on iTunes about the show. Okay, that was just a public announcement. Let's move on to our fan comment of the week and some predictions. Beautiful, beautiful. So I'm going to take a question and a comment off of NASCAR's Reddit board. So someone writes on NASCAR Reddit, four years, 127 races, over 37,000 laps, 140 degrees in car heat, Ryan Newman after winning Phoenix, quote, I'm spent, unquote, one of the best grinders in the sport. So that was the comment that was posted. And of course, fans had a lot to say. One fan wrote, 
People give Newman so much S-H-I-T about, quote, wasting a ride, unquote, or a similar commentary, especially when it looked like he may not have had a ride in 2017. I never understood it. He's not as on top of his game as he once was in the mid-2000s, like when he was averaging a pole position one out of every four races. But he is solidly consistent and has performed well enough to make the chase more often than not. The guy is good. If not for some rotten luck in the first few races, he'd be way up in the point standing too. So that was one comment. Another commenter wrote, It's crazy that a guy that has accomplished what Ryan has consistently gets no respect. Dude has won 18 races, 51 poles, the Daytona 500, the Brickyard 400, has made the chase under every version of the system. And the guy may not be the best, but he's had a career many couldn't even dream of. These are like powerful comments. It's actually really heartwarming to see so many fans really appreciate Ryan Newman. Yeah, you they, know? They, they sound like some real NASCAR fans. You know, people like that that say those kind of things. Those are people who have been NASCAR fans for a long time, obviously, yeah. because they just gave you his, his darn resume right there. But I couldn't agree yeah. with him more. I mean, well, the, guy's, the guy's a class act. You're right. And like you said earlier, Tim, he may not be the most outgoing person ever. You know, he's just low key. But you know what? He gets it done. And he's uh heck, I'd like to have that kind of career. If I was a NASCAR driver, I wouldn't have no problems with that. Well, I want to read one other comment because I think this is just so on point to what I said earlier and what we're talking about now. This commenter writes, Newman wouldn't even be close to the top of wasted rides for me. Like just off the top of my head, Patrick, McMurray, Stenhouse, Bain, Menard. I might have gotten to Newman eventually, but only if I absolutely had to keep going. The guy can wheel a car. I mean, that's deep because, you know, I never say anybody's wasting a car. <laughs> but, you know, hey, there are some people that you wonder, like, wow, how do they consistently have sponsorship and a ride? Exactly. Because the, no sooner did you say that, I was already thinking in my head couple that I feel like could be wasting a car. But you're right. I mean, you know, this guy, whoever said that is, yeah, he's got a point too, because you say these names and you would have eventually gotten to Newman, but is it a disrespectful thing or is it just saying, well, hey, I mean, these other drivers are ones that you hear most consistently. You understand? Am I making any sense, Tim? I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense. I mean, if, let's just look at the list. Patrick, when do we hear her name? It's always associated with some type of wreck. Jay McMurray, you know, the guy has won all the biggest races in NASCAR, but what can we really say about it? I don't personally think he's a wasted car, and I don't think he would be this far up on my list. But the reality is, is that, well, you know, he he made it to the chase last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he barely made it. Now right. you think about his teammate, Kyle Larson. <laughs> he came in swinging. So, hey, Stenhouse, I already shared my comments on him. Trevor Bain, uh, what is Trevor Bain's the number six, right? Yeah, Trevor. And the only reason why I remember he's the number six is because I always think about Bubba Wallace because Bubba is the number six in the Xfinity League. And then Menard. And honestly, I actually have no beef with 
Paul Menard. I like Paul Menard. He's the number 27. You know, you know how I know? Because the first NASCAR photo I ever took was of, no, wait, actually, was it Paul Menard? I always get Menard's, the sponsor confused with Paul Menard's car. Interesting. I just want to say on the record, I'm a fan, but I'm not one of those fans that will say anybody is in a, a wasted, right. is wasting a car <laughs> because I couldn't be in a car. Well, we didn't you talk know, about this. I can drive, but I, I right. couldn't be <laughs> Exactly. And I know we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but you know, you have to be, you know, you have to be one, one heck of a person and one heck of an athlete to withstand the heat of some of these tracks. Now, let's be honest. Phoenix was very, very hot. I mean, it was really hot down there. As I met, you know, so imagine how those guys feel in that car, you know, each and every week trying to get in there and run around that track, you know, for that long. It's hard, Tam. It's really, really hard. Like I said, you have no complaints from me. Right. Out of the, what was that, five people on the list, Patrick McMurray, Stenhouse, Bain, and Menard, I'm not going to go on the record and say anybody's wasting a car. I will say there's one person on that list who I truly in my heart believe will never win a race. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> so let's keep it positive. Keep it positive let's and on. let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to some predictions. Hello. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. We're going to be Renee? in Fontana, Tim, right up the highway from us. Well, Ugh. it's up the highway from you. Well, it's an hour from me. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's what, 45 minutes from you? Yeah, just 45 minutes, but it's a straight shot, so it's not so bad. But you know what? We both will be there in the flesh. We will be there checking out everything and taking pictures and doing little videos for you guys. We'll be doing all kinds of social media stuff, so please connect with us. And as far as it comes down to predictions, Tam, I would love to go and say that Kyle Busch is going to pull this out because I think, you know, just something that he wants to do and uh, feels like he has something to prove. Well, hell, Joey, I could say the same thing for Joey Logano, too, but that's not going to happen. Because what I am going to say is that who is going to win Fontana is going to be none other than, yes, I'm going to say it right now because I haven't picked him all year yet. I'm going with my man, Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick will win this race. And if he doesn't, Jimmy Johnson will pull away as my dark horse. I knew at some point you were going to say Kevin Harvick. Right. And I knew you were going to say Jimmy Johnson. Like, okay, if you listen to this show, you know, Renee only ever picks, what is that? Three people, Kyle Busch, Jimmy <laughs> Johnson, and Kevin Harvick. <laughs> On a consistent basis, that is. Yes, you're right. Okay. I'm a risk taker, so I always go out on a limb. But before I go out on my limb and put all my business out in the street as far as who I'm going to go with to win in Fontana, I'm going to give you a little history. And that is in the form of the past 10, as in the past 10 winners at this particular track, which is Fontana. Was technically the auto club, just FYI to our listeners, but it's in Fontana. So most people just say Fontana, but it's actually the Auto Club. And the Auto Club is celebrating their 20th anniversary. Woohoo. Is that right? Okay. Well, happy anniversary. Yes. So past 10, 2016, Jimmy Johnson, 15, Brad Kozlowski, 2014, Kyle Busch, 2013, Kyle Busch, 2012, my man, Tony Stewart, and 2011, Kevin Harvick. 
Now, what is very interesting is that from 2011 through 2016, there was only one race a year at the auto club. Between well, prior to 2011, there was actually two races a year at the auto club. So in 2010, we raced in February where Jimmy Johnson was the winner. In October, Tony Stewart was the winner. In 2009, February, Kenseth was the winner and in October 2009, Jimmy Johnson won. 2008, in February, it was Carl Edwards. And do we miss Carl Edwards? Yes, we mm-hmm. do. Yes. In August 2008, it was Jimmy Johnson. February 2007, Matt Kenseth. And September of 2007, Jimmy Johnson. And if you notice, I said Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. What was that? Five times. But Jimmy actually has won in Fontana six times. Now, get this. His first win came in 2002. That was 15 whole years ago. That's crazy. You know, he's a California boy, but that's actually crazy when you think about it. He won his first race in Fontana in 2002, and he won his last race in Fontana in 2016. Not that long ago. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's a 14-year gap between yeah, well, the two. Maybe I should change my pick around. And, and maybe I should say Jimmy Johnson is going to win and Kevin Harvick is my dark horse. <laughs> so get this. Like I said, Jimmy Johnson is a six-time winner in Fontana. But your boy, Kyle Busch, is a four-time winner in Fontana. Not too and shabby. Matt, yeah. And Matt Kenseth, you know what? Matt Kenseth is overdue for a win. He's actually, he really is. Yeah, he's actually a three-time winner in Fontana. And one last thing, to give you a little background on the Xfinity series, Kyle Busch is also a six-time winner in Xfinity races. You know, all he does is win, win, win when he's not saying everything is great, 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 or if he's not selling T-shirts for $22. <laughs> That's Kyle Bush for you. So nonetheless, I know you guys want to know what my predictions are. So my predictions are very clear and simple. I am going to go with Kyle Larson. You know why? Even though last week I went with Chase Elliott to win his first race. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson because I was actually in Fontana. I think that was in 2016, last year, or maybe year before. Oh, my God, I've been to so many races, it's blending together. But I was in Fontana when Kyle Larson won the Xfinity race. And considering this guy is always there but can't close, I think this is going to be the week that he's going to close. He's going to be at home in front of the hometown crowd. So I'm going to go with Kyle Larson to win. And my dark horse is Kyle Busch only because, Kyle, you the man. Go do you and make everything great again in NASCAR (laughs) world. And if he wins, I'm sure everything will be fantastic. He'll forget about even whatever happened the last couple of weeks. Oh, I don't they, think he's going to ever forget. No, he probably won't. Now, just wishful thinking, I guess, on my part. But anyway, with that being said, Tam, those are your predictions. Guys, you got my predictions. We'd like to hear your predictions. We'd like to know who you think is going to win the race. We'd like to hear if you have a dark horse. And if you do, well, why don't you let us know and hit us up on our social media. And Tam can let you know exactly how to get that. Before I tell you, you already know what I'm going to say. Hit subscribe. 
on iTunes and leave us a comment. And once you do that, then go to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at Turns No Breaks. You can follow me at I Am Sincerely Tam across the board. And you can follow Renee Garcia at It's Renee Garcia across all social as well. That is correct. And listen, guys, we always really appreciate you guys tuning into our podcast. Please tell your friends, tell family who loves NASCAR just as much as we do. This is a podcast for fans, by fans. We love the sport as much as you love the sport. We love talking about all things NASCAR. We are fans of it, and we love to hear and communicate with you guys. So please hit us up on our social media. And we always appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week after the races to listen to us, be kind to each other, and we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 